Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Well, this morning we are coming to the, uh, to the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Level. You've heard in Matthew him, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, some people question, is this just another reworking of that? Or is it a completely different? We haven't even gotten into that issue because it really hasn't been important to what we're trying to understand here. And so because Luke talks about him coming off the mountain and, and having this Sermon on the Level plane, we've just called this, this the Sermon on the Level. So we come to the end of that sermon today. And that brings us then to the end of Luke chapter 6, and we'll start chapter 7 in in August. So we think about this this sermon that Jesus has been bringing. I think about the original hearers of the message. And uh, I understand that they received it all in one big chunk. They didn't cut it, he didn't dabble it on day after day or weeks after weeks. They spent probably a better part of a day. Uh, listening to Jesus as he talked about these various points and explained them so that the hearers would, would really grasp what he was saying. We, on the other hand, have taken four weeks. And as we have moved through these weeks, we have uncovered what Jesus had to say about salvation, uh, about discipleship, about instructions for kingdom living, and about the warning of false teachers. And as he brings the sermon today to a close, we find him after sharing those points, asking a very penetrating and a very important question. In fact, I'll tell you that it's probably the most important question that can be asked of people who have heard the word of God. It is a question of relationship. It is a question of application. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Hopefully you brought your copy of the Word of God today, but we also will have the Scripture on the screen. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell And the ruin of that house was great. The question I was referring to is right there at the beginning in verse 46. Uh, Just to paraphrase it, why do you call me Lord, but do not put my instruction into practice? I don't know about you, but that's the type of question I think nobody enjoys being asked. Why did you spend $1,500 on a treadmill and never use it? Why do you invest so much time going to the counselor but never follow their instruction? Why do you get so upset that the Bible was taken out of the public school classroom, but you rarely, if ever, read it for yourself? I don't like those kind of questions. You don't like those kind of questions. Why are those kind of questions so troubling to us? 
Well, the reason is because they point out with painful clarity a point of disconnect that is in our lives. They point out a place of hypocrisy that is being tolerated. Just as it's nonsensical to have a $1,500 treadmill in your basement being used as a clothes rack, so it is nonsensical to call Jesus Lord and then direct your own affairs as though he is not. But as much as we dislike these kind of questions, oftentimes these kind of questions are the very best questions that someone can actually ask us. And you say, why is that, Pastor Mike? If we don't enjoy those kind of questions, why would a question like that be so good for us? Well, because while they're uncomfortable and at times even irritating, they serve as a, as a sudden jolt to call us out on a matter of incongruity as it relates to how we are living our life. I want you to think about this for a moment, if you would. Is it incongruous for a non-believer to reject the lordship of Christ and live in whatever manner they choose? Is that off base? Is that out of the lane? Is that, as I'm using the word, incongruous? Well, of course it isn't. That's exactly what you would expect. If a person isn't following Jesus, isn't calling him Lord, isn't believing in him, isn't really paying much attention to what he has to say, of course he's not or she is not going to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and they're just going to live life however it seems best to them. But for a professing follower of Jesus who rightly says of Jesus, Lord, and and when we see that in the Bible, let us make sure we know what it actually means. When you see that word Lord, it means master. You're saying, Jesus, you are, you are my master and I'm your servant. When a professing believer says that and then ignores the instructions that Jesus gives, well, that then is a picture of a confused mind and a divided heart. So one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing this message uh, during the week was where does a question like this come from? Where, where did this question come from as Jesus asked it of the people who were there listening to him? And then I asked myself, is this an accusation? Is he accusing these people of, of hearing but not doing? Or is it more of a warning? The question itself was birthed from the instruction that Jesus had already been giving. He had been giving instruction about a repentant heart that leads to salvation. He had instructed about feet that follow in the steps of Jesus concerning godly love. He had instructed about kingdom living and about turning a deaf ear to those who are false teachers. That's that's really where the question comes from. As to whether it's an accusation or a warning, I'll simply submit this to you that the people who were listening to him talk, they're receiving, many of them, they're receiving this for the very first time. They have not yet had time to uh, listen and then go their own way. So I don't think it's really so much of an accusation as I think it is a warning. It is a warning about the perils of building one's life on a faulty foundation. And Jesus has a very specific idea and communication about what that faulty foundation is. As we examine his words, we find that he is looking at a faulty life foundation being one that separates hearing from doing. 
Separating hearing from doing is the faulty foundation that Jesus is referring to here. And that brings me to truth point number one. Reality is not found in the profession of our lips alone. I've been guilty of that so many times in my life where I think that if I say something, it makes it real. But I've been called on the carpet so many times that just because you say it doesn't make it real. No, Um, it's in the actions of our hands and feet that really profess what we believe. And so life actions are the thing that carries the weight of what we really believe. It it is important to say with your lips, but it's even more important that the life you are choosing to live, the decisions you're making on a daily basis are reflecting uh, those professions. We come to verses 47 and 48, and we find Jesus here is continuing on with the teaching device of parable. We saw that last week, and and, and he's using this parable-type teaching to paint a, a, a vivid picture so that there is maximum understanding. And the concept that he is using as he talks about all of this is a house's foundation, He uses the idea, something we all kind of understand, the importance of of a proper foundation under a house to make his point. And Jesus says that the person who hears his words, now I want to stop there for just a moment. The person who hears his words, remember that Jesus' words are way more important than mine or your dad's or your grandpa's or anybody else's because Jesus is the divine son of God. I mean, he is God of very God. Therefore, when he speaks, he is speaking perfectly. He is unveiling what is actually true. Remember that he made the claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when he's speaking, whether he's speaking in our physical presence or whether he's speaking through the word of God, uh, his words carry a lot of weight. And so Jesus says that the person who hears his words and puts them into practice, they are like the man who builds a house on a rock-solid foundation. And when the, the winds of life and the waves of trial blast against it, yes, it will take a beating. No doubt. That cannot be spared. But that life, that house will stand. Truth point number two says that the house of the parable is a metaphor for our lives. And when it comes to our lives, it is never a question of if severe tribulation will come and beat against us, but when. I hope we all understand that. It's never a question of if. It's just a question of when. The when came for the Willis family as they drove down Interstate 94 in Milwaukee. Scott and Janet were traveling with their six youngest children to celebrate a family birthday. I'm sorry for the grainy pictures. Those were the best I could get. So they're with their six youngest children. They had three other children. They had nine total who were not, three were not with them. And as they were traveling down Interstate 94, they ran over a large piece of metal in the highway. And that metal flipped up and hit the bottom of the van and it punctured the gas tank. And when it did, that van turned into a raging inferno. Probably many of you remember that and have heard that story. As the van was slowing down, the parents were able to open the door and literally fall out on either side. But the children were hopelessly trapped and they died in that van. 
You know, I cannot imagine a greater storm assaulting the framework of a life. Can you? That's pretty, pretty vicious as it relates to a life storm. And I ask myself the question, how could any house, how could any life house literally stand such a devastating attack? And yet, we find that as the mom and dad, as Scott and Janet were in the hospital recovering from their own physical injuries, they gave this testimony to the press. God has demonstrated His love to us and our family. There is no question in our mind that God is good, and we praise Him in all things. We belong to Him. My children belong to Him. He is the giver and taker of life, and He sustains us. Wow. How do you say that? How do you use those kind of words after such a tragedy? And you know, I wish I could say to you that for the Willises, that was the end of the life trials that would come. But sadly, it wasn't. Unbeknownst to them, several years down the road, perhaps a couple of decades actually before it came, there was a storm looming heavy that came upon their family at the hands of one of their surviving sons. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.